Welcome to Sermons and Sounds of Plymouth, the podcast of Plymouth United Church of Christ. I am Pastor David, and on behalf of the members of this congregation, thank you very much for joining us. May God bless you through these words, and may you know God's love through them. Now, the podcast. The Old Testament lesson today comes from Genesis chapter 17. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you and will make you exceedingly numerous. Then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, as for, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You shall be the ancestor of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the ancestor of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you, and your offspring after you throughout their generations, for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah will be her name. I will bless her, and moreover I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall give rise to nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. The Gospel lesson is from the Gospel of Mark. We're jumping ahead a number of chapters from, uh, <coughs> excuse me, from where we read uh, last week. And this is Jesus now with his disciples, delivers some news to them, and uh, you will hear how how they respond and what he how he responds to their response. And so. Hear now and listen for how God is speaking to you through these words of Mark's gospel. Then Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Here ends the reading. Thanks be to God. Wednesday night when we were having our soup and discussion time, the, uh, uh, as we were talking, the thought came up that transformation, change, transformation often has a, a cost involved with it. To become something else usually means giving up something. Whatever, whatever that might be, there's some kind of cost that comes in transformation and some kind of cost as we follow Jesus, as we decide to 
forsake other ways and focus our attention on following Jesus. And one thing Jesus says here, take up your cross. Take up your cross and follow, which implies like, some level of discomfort, although it doesn't have to mean suffering or discomfort. There could be great joy in some of the crosses may, that we bury, but maybe some level of, of discomfort just simply in that to grow often involves some kind of discomfort. To go through that process, to grow spiritually is to go through some discomfort, letting go of former habits, former thoughts, former ideas. There can be discomfort in letting go of them. Even if you really liked them, cherish them, or even more so if you really liked them or cherished them. Letting go can have some discomfort, even when you're going to something really good. Still some cost in that, in that change to let go of things that aren't helpful or are, that are not godly or that are not in whatever way are not appropriate for the journey forward that you're on. And there can also be a, a, the cost of entering a new kind of world follow Jesus is to see the world as a bigger world, to see our connection to our neighbors, to see our connection with all of humanity, to see the communion of all of God's creation together. And that sometimes can be a kind of discomfort. You have to give up some things to see the world uh, as, as a bigger place and to see our responsibility toward one another. I had one thing that came up Wednesday night was just even uh, uh, the way that going to college might help us to see a bigger world or even going in the military and serving overseas or just having whatever experience it is of a bigger, of a bigger world and how there can be some cost and how that changes the relationship with family or friends that have not had that experience. Uh, we're not there. I felt that when I went off to college and my friends stayed in the hometown and I moved off to New York City and other places and they all stayed, stayed there. Now, there is this cost of being a follower of Jesus in giving up the ways that are not his ways. And following Jesus can take time, can take money, and can involve a changing relationship with time and with money, changing relationship with that idea of who is my neighbor, who am I in communion with. You know, you may have uh, uh, friends that say, let's go do something on Sunday morning. And you say, ah, Sunday morning I go, I go worship. I can't go do that. I could join you later. But maybe, maybe you've had that experience of saying, ah, well, I go to church on Sunday morning. And maybe you get a weird look from them. It's like, oh, why would you do that? Uh, maybe you don't. But if you do get the weird look, that could be a good time to extend an invitation. Well, come with me. I'm going to experience what I experience, love of God and grace and fellowship. Uh, I was recently listening to an interview with Elton Brown, you may know from the Food Network, uh, the Good Eats TV show, Iron Chef, uh, and he does a one-man show that he travels around with, does a, uh, does a lot involving cooking, and he travels a lot because of who he is and what he does. Uh, and in the interview, he said he was a, he's a born-again Christian, I don't know when that happened in his life. He didn't talk about that. 
But he talked about even that he travels all the time, sometimes has his family with him, but wherever he is, always goes to church, finds a church to go worship at on Sunday morning. And in the interview, we talked about how sometimes he gets weird looks with his crew or other people around him. They say, hey, Elton Brown, it's Saturday night. Let's go party. And he'll say, well, I, I, I need to be able to get up to go to church. Or they're saying, yeah, hey, we're going to go deep sea fishing tomorrow on Sunday. And he's like, nah, I'd love to join you, but I'm going to worship. I'm going to find a church. Sometimes you can get that, that funny look. To follow Jesus can be to give things up. There can be a cost in that. And, and Jesus says, of, take up your cross. Take up your cross and follow me. And often we can think of, ah, oh, that means I'm supposed to suffer or be in, in misery. And I don't think Jesus is calling you to intentional suffering on his behalf. As though if you're enjoying your life, you're somehow failing as a follower of Jesus. Not saying, not saying that, but, uh, but this cross... To take up the cross, I think, is to take us to, to give up self-centeredness on behalf of the other. To take us away from our focusing on ourselves to think of others. And I think that's what the cross was for Jesus. I mean, it was an instrument of execution and uh, suffering and, and shame, but it was also uh, the cross, Jesus' willingness to take up a literal cross, it's a sign of Jesus' love. It's a sign that Jesus was thinking of us, of others, not of himself. Thinking of us. How far will I go to show you my love? I will do this for you. Even we could think of Jesus as saying, I will let you do this to me, to the people that were doing it to him. I will let you do this to me. This is the sign of my love that death on the cross is better than self-preservation. Especially better than self-preservation through violence. That's the sign of, of love. Take up the cross. Take up the way of love. Take up that sacrificial way of love. And I think we see that symbolized here in communion as well. Jesus offering bread and wine body and blood for us. But there's also the communion that doesn't happen just at this table. There's communion that comes in taking up, up the cross of being communion for others. Other ways to think of this sacred moment of, of communion, to see maybe even our acts of charity, all the good things that we do. I sort of rethink why we do them or what is happening in that process uh, of doing them. You know, not just acts of charity as being nice or as a kind thing to do, but what if we saw them as sacred acts of communion with the people that we're doing them with or for? Sacred acts of communion. If we saw visiting the sick not just as something we do to brighten their day, but as something that we do to brighten their day, but also as a sacred moment of communion with them, with your neighbor. Or offering a prayer for someone, or uh, listening to stories from people outside the mainstream, listening to the stories of the poor, 
or the homeless or the ill, whatever it is, like we do in our street ministry, to see that not just listening to stories as a friend or as an act of kindness, but also as a moment of communion with that person, a sharing of one another, body and spirit with that other person. Or maybe even more simple things. Perhaps you, you shovel your neighbor's sidewalk. What if you saw that act of shoveling not just as a way to help your neighbor, but as another sacred communion moment with your neighbor? You do that because you are connected to them through God, through Jesus. You have that spiritual connection with your neighbor to transform a good deed into a sharing of yourself in holy communion with your neighbor or on behalf of your neighbors. And so the act doesn't change. Maybe, what if our internal sense of the act changed? Yeah, when Jesus said to take up your cross and follow him, but part of the, I, I think the, the part of the trick to that is that it doesn't have to be distasteful. It doesn't mean to only do things that you don't want to do or that you don't like to do, that if you're doing something that you enjoy, that God doesn't want you to do it. It doesn't mean that at all. Although part of our spiritual growth can be to do some of the things that are uncomfortable, maybe, uh, or that make us feel a little weird to get through uh, some of that barrier uh, and, and to grow in our spirit. But it doesn't mean that we, have to, that we can't like what we're doing or that we can't enjoy what we're doing and have that be a holy act. And that be an act of, of communing with another. I remember when I was a kid, we had a snowblower. I don't know, for some reason, a lot of snow imagery today coming up in my mind. I'm going to read a poem later that also involves snow. I don't know why this is. It's winter. Snow on my mind. But I, we had a snowblower when I was a kid. It was a big one. And it was also really fussy, so it didn't work very often. But every now and again, we could get it to turn on and to work. And it was just, it was, it was wide. It's a big old style one. It had a big chute, could shoot snow 10, 15 feet and as a kid I found that hilarious I don't know why I just thought it was so fun to watch that snow fly out of that chute and to see where I could aim it and make it go and so when the snowblower worked I'm up, up and down the sidewalk not so much because I want to help my neighbors although that was that was part of it I'm like I make things a little easier for it because I just loved pushing that snowblower down there and seeing where I could blow snow around it's like, I'm going to do this until I run out of gas. And then I get halfway down the block, and my dad would be like, stop it, you're using all the gas. <laughs> like, but dad, I want to, I'm enjoying it, and I'm helping my neighbors. You, know, you can love what you're doing and still be doing ministry. You can enjoy what you're doing and still be doing ministry. Take up your cross doesn't mean that you have to not like that moment. You can be freely sharing with others because you enjoy it and still be sharing a moment of sacred communion with someone else. That doesn't have to involve literal bread and wine. Just that moment of sharing of yourself, of your body, of your spirit, of who you are with someone else and letting them share with you. This moment of communion. And I want to read a poem is by Marin Tiribasi talks about communion it starts with the communion of bread and wine but then ends with a very different kind of communion in a relationship with with someone else I want to read this for you 
All the bread is gluten-free. And I said to the young woman who I saw receive her one-year medallion, the cup has no alcohol. And when he was, when he was sacramenting the brokenness he intended to give, Jesus did not use the lamb. He used what everyone could afford to eat, to drink. And so around the world, people taste holy meals of tortilla or rice cake. But it wasn't this highfalutin global reflection that served me my morning crumb of gospel hope. I was walking by my neighbor's house with the beagle between the five-foot snowdrifts and realized she had used the paw-friendly ice melt. Pretty expensive, that. This is communion, I thought. So I kicked the snow off my boots on the threshold. This is communion, making the way open for everyone, recognizing it will cost. The writer's neighbor used paw-friendly ice melt because she, the neighbor, knew that her neighbor, the writer, had a beagle. And that she'd be walking on the sidewalk and she wanted to make sure the beagle had paw-friendly ice melt. And she thought of that moment also as communion for the neighbor to have put out the ice melt, the paw-friendly ice melt. That's a cross-taking-up sacred moment of holy communion that we can all do in the cost and in the joy of following Jesus. Amen. And that is the good news for this day and for all days. Thank you again for listening to the Sermons and Sounds of Plymouth podcast. If you are in the Eau Claire area, we especially invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. And I invite you also to check out our website at pcucc.com for upcoming events and special worship services. From Plymouth United Church of Christ, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, this is Pastor David. Thank you for spending this time with us. May God bless you.